It's interesting that you asked that because the only time I ever really think about those types of questions is when I'm forced to for grad school. <laughs> <laughs> That's a healthy way to do it. The, my way is like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, do I have free will? Welcome to Dear Shandy, everyone. <laughs> we have a very exciting guest today. Mm-hmm. It's it's a big deal. It's it a big is. deal. I cannot tell you how many times over the years I have been asked by blog readers or like an Instagram DMs what my Enneagram is. And I will confess, I spent many years not really paying much attention to it. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Like, uh, it's one of those personality things. And then when I did dip a toe into it. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And so it is like the perfect match made in heaven that we would have the author of The Enneagram in Love, which it ties into the fact that this is a relationship podcast, but also the fact that we love talking about personalities. It's just all the perfect perfect things. Perfect puzzle piece. Stephanie Baron Hall, thank you for joining us. (laughs) So glad to be here with you today. We're very excited to have you. Uh, I mean, where to begin? Why? Okay. I would, I would start. <laughs> I would start by saying, how does one get into the anagram business? That's true. Oh my, it has been kind of a world, a whirlwind to be honest. Um, so I have always been fascinated with personality. So I got a bachelor's degree in, um, psychology, like a lot of people, you know, and I just got really into it. And actually a few years ago, a few different people were like, Oh, you should get into the Enneagram. I'd say that was like 2015. And I was like, Oh, you know, we'll see. Um, and I just started reading about it and really got obsessed. I mean, like you're saying that so many people have been asking you about your type, right? Um, it, it just, it kind of becomes a, a little bit of an obsession. So, um, it, it just all started from there. And then I started my business that I have now in 2017. And your business now, can you describe it? Because I know that you are, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. So can you just tell people what your day looks like? Sure. So yes, I'm an Enneagram coach, meaning I have a certification to coach individuals. So I do typing sessions, meaning I meet with people and talk them through finding their type. I also have a podcast called the Ask an Enneagram Coach podcast, where people ask me all sorts of questions about the Enneagram. I also have an Instagram page called Nine Types Co. And I basically use that to educate people on the Enneagram, personal development, uh, relationships, things like that. We're going to have a lot of overlap in <laughs> in listeners, I think. Just because, yeah. like I said, my blog readers have been asking me this for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And... It is interesting to me how there are nine types, Mm -hmm. but I I felt very spoken to when I read my type, even though nine doesn't seem like that large a number of types. Can you explain why, like how that came to be? Like I know nine types. Yeah. Well, I, you know, obviously I've read your book and there's the deep, the history goes further back than I expected it to, Mm -hmm. but I guess what I was surprised by is feeling like this resonated more with me than, say, Myers-Briggs, which has 16 types. Mm -hmm. So do you think you could try to explain that? Sure. So I think what really gets to people with the Enneagram is that it is about motivation. So a lot of personality types or personality tests are really about behavior, Mm -hmm. and they kind of focus on what's external. But when you get down to the motivation level, you're really looking at things from a different perspective. And what I think people really resonate with and hate about the Enneagram is that it really gets to the blind spots or like the shadow sides, like those things about yourself that you're like, oh, I thought I was hiding that really well, or I hate that about myself. I don't want anyone to know that. Um, (laughs) It really uncovers those things. And so that's part of the personal growth piece, I think, of the Enneagram is that, um, you know, you're looking at those blind spots, you're looking at the negative sides of yourself and working from there to grow. I have a question. Yeah. I I did against your wishes take the test. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we should say we should mention briefly that in the book you do suggest well you say to hold the results of a test loosely to yes. not mm-hmm. yeah. 
So, so, so what we totally, Andy totally yeah, took no, it. I, I was going to take the test. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sure. I, I disobeyed you. But, but um, my, my curiosity about the test, and, and I know that you actually do in-person Enneagrams, mm-hmm. so that's probably more effective, but is that within the test itself, I feel like there could be like a circular reference. So in other words, like the actual test taking itself is like a meta version of what your actual anagram is. And then you get into Mm -hmm. like this, like big data set, like what are you analyzing within the analysis, within the analysis? But I felt like as much as I think part of my, maybe my id or my subconscious knew the answer, I felt Mm -hmm. myself consciously veering against certain things that I was possibly ashamed of or, Mm -hmm. you know, scared of, or like, oh my God, am I that person? No, I I can't have this result be that. So I'm going to move one notch over to the right or (laughs) one notch over to the left. And I was just thinking like within the Enneagram analysis, is there an analysis of the pattern of question answering that actually analyzes the type of personality that would answer those questions <laughs> in that slightly false way based on certain patterns. So like, let's say like question number 52 is like an easy softball where mm-hmm. it's like, everyone's gonna be like, Oh yeah, I'm this easy. Or like question number three is also easy. And then you take those two and you say, well, if they're these, there's a 99% chance that they're lying about this question. <laughs> does this make, does Can that make you sense? know what Andy's type is based on I'm this so question? neurotic. It's unbelievable. <laughs> That's what I am. Whatever the most neurotic out of the nine is, like I win. But I no, overthink I mean- things. I overthink things. There's a lot to that. And I think that's what actually a lot of, a lot of the time the test missed. So there is a test that I do like called I remember IEQ it's a, nine. Yeah. The, so the most thorough, a, but also the most expensive. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. I have it earmarked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like $60. But what's fascinating about that test is it basically, it, it does have a logic to it. So as mm-hmm. you take the test, then the, the, it chooses questions to com- continue to ask you that get more and more specific. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is that you end up being able to narrow in on your type a little bit better because it's not just a random order of questions. It, it kind mm. of does have that, that logic. Oh, piece. I see. Right. But, but there's also something to it where it's like, depending on how quickly or slowly somebody answers the questions that mm. can also mean maybe they weren't really reading them or maybe they were overthinking them. So, uh, you know, either extreme. That's interesting. Yeah. I kept, I kept going back when I was taking that test, I kept thinking every question I was to give Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. I was just like, if you're, if I'm observing this test, the test is already wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. anyway, I'm sorry. I may be different. It was fine for the first two pages. He kept like asking me, he was like, do you mm-hmm. think I blah, blah, blah. Dude. I, I was like, I can't, this is you. <laughs> yeah. I can't help it's, you. Yeah. But well, I have is two me. I have the objective me and the Absolutely. subject. Absolutely. Yes. It mm-hmm. is telling. Yeah. And I do, I, you do have a point. Like if one of the questions is like, I, you know, I am often the victim, the kind of person that often feels like the victim is not going to say I am often the victim. Of course. Typically. Right. So, and, and then some people might, you know, react, overreact, go completely other way and be like, oh no, I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. So it's, it's anyway, it's very interesting. I find test taking about yourself fascinating. It's not very (laughs) self-reporters. No. And that's why I liked how in your book you did say, you know, I, you pretty much recommend just reading up on it and seeing what you identify with best. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's enough of that. (laughs) We, we would like to know, um, what would we like to know? You tell her what we'd like to know. (laughs) Because I'm talking too much in this podcast. Go ahead. Well, do you want us to tell you our types or do you want to guess? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Only because here, and here's something I'll, I'll tell you. Um, a lot of the time people meet me and they're like, what's my Enneagram type? And I'm like, well, I can't really tell just by meeting you, you know, because Mm. you know yourself best. And that's like one of the things, even when I say I don't recommend tests, it's because I want you to trust yourself Mm. in knowing yourself. And Mm. I want everyone to cultivate that sense of inner knowledge because that's what the Enneagram is about. So, and reflection, which Mm -hmm. it's, it does make sense. Like it sort of makes you work a little harder. It's not as easy as just doing a six page test and being like, Oh, this is my type. Right. Like the whole point is self-discovery and self-improvement and learning things about yourself that are in my case, pretty uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 
So, so based on the conversation so far, what are we? <laughs> Come on, you should know this. Admittedly, I have heard some rumors. So, Charlene, what what type are you again? I, I am a four. No, you, why are you telling her? Well, I had to. Gabby. I want this to be like a mind reading game. Well, she doesn't know yours. Okay, but I I am she a knows four, mine now. and Trust I me. thought I thought my wing was. A five, but then I got to the end of your book where you said that there's no that like the second highest number you have is not your wing. Can you explain wings? I don't get wings. Go, Andy. What is your type? Do you know? I want you to tell me. (laughs) Look at me. I'm obviously. (laughs) He's a five. Okay, I'm a five. Okay. Okay. At least that's what the test said. But I lied a lot on that test. Um, yeah, so that would what have been one of my guesses. Um, (laughs) so the way the wings work is it's, it isn't the second in, in line basically, but in your case, a five wing would make sense because, um, it's one of the types on the either side of your core type. So think of it, this is so cheesy, but it helps people. It's like a chicken. The wings have to be attached. So like the wings are adjacent attached. So if you're a three, you can have a four wing or a two wing. Oh, I thought it had to be across. Okay. Yeah, I think that. So one of the other things that can happen that is a bit confusing is um, the, the, the lines around the Enneagram. So like if you look at the symbol itself, you see these lines that are connecting the types mm. and those are actually stress and growth lines. So basically there's a pattern that the types move in when they're stressed and when they're feeling safe and secure and growing. Mm. Okay. And so that's, that's what those are. Interesting. Okay. I feel, I feel good about that. Yeah. My, so four my... and five. Are you feeling like you're not a five? Like when you read that, does that resonate or is it like there was hmm. there was a lot of it that resonated? He, it okay. was eerie. Yeah. yeah. But a I lot. will confess when I was reading about types and I feel ashamed of this, but I thought I would know my own husband's type from reading them. Sure. And I guessed in my mind that he was an eight. Ah, interesting. OK, uh, just sort of that more assertive and like confident thing. But I do realize when I think about it, that that is sort of. A side of him, yeah, but probably not his truest self. But then, I, and then I felt ashamed and like I don't know my husband. I didn't tell you this. You really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sad. it can be really tough. I mean, it, it, it's because when you're looking at core motivation, one, we're not really used to thinking about that or looking at that really or identifying that in ourselves. And then when you're looking at it. Um, even once you start to understand it about yourself, it's actually hard to see in somebody else. It's really a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks, though, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it, but we have to go back to core motivation, right? So um, the nine different types have nine different core motivations. And anytime we're reading a description, often there's something about the behavior that's built into the description. So I think it's really helpful to go back and, and to really self-identify with what's underneath it. Like what's the, the driving why behind what you're doing. So, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but based on what I've read, the core motivation of a four is to sort of find their true self and feel understood and sort yeah. of seen. Mm-hmm. For, they tend to feel like misfits somewhat yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I felt so lame I was like oh it's so true yeah, you really <laughs> and, are and if there's four. only nine types that means a lot of people feel like misfits and I'm not so special yeah, you're a all. solid four. <laughs> Oh, I was just gonna say like that that feeling of like oh I, I don't like this or like I've been found out I think everyone feels that when they find their type well it feels I, I felt uncomfortable with like am I at like a computer like I'm like a computer I'm just like a program it's just like I have no choice but to be the thing that I am which I will say is saying something because Andy is notoriously not he doesn't drink the Kool-Aid with these things I'm mm-hmm. just gonna say that like mm. you've you've never met someone who knows less about like 
astrology and horoscopes than you. Yeah. <laughs> like he really doesn't actually have a funny story that has nothing to do with I just anything. know that Scorpios are bad and I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> so every time I'm a Scorpio, everyone's like, oh. I have a hilarious <laughs> story. Yeah, no one's ever like, oh, that's nice. I have a hilarious story. One time I was like, you know my, my sign, right? And he was like, no. And I was like, why don't you guess? And he was like, mm. he's like, what, what letter does it start with? And I was like, V. And he was like, hmm. What's the second letter? And I'm like, I. I had to get to V I R before he guessed Virgo. He's like, oh, Virgo. <laughs> yeah, that gives you an idea of how much stock he puts into well, universally relatable things. Astrology is far different. From I this. know, this is but my point is really that, psychological. like, even I think more so than Myers Briggs when I made you take yeah. that. Um, mm-hmm. This you related to this more. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, there were yeah. things in there that were eerie how similar they were to me. So I buy it. Mm-hmm. It was uncomfortable. It is. But what Stephanie, you specialize in is how the types can complement each other and understand each other better and just sort of work in romantic mm-hmm. relationships. Correct? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so do we I work? I have so many questions <laughs> based on this. I want to know how you... Yeah, first, first let's talk about us, and then I have so many questions about how you went on this process, because I just feel like you must have just interviewed, like, hundreds, if not thousands of people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so first I'll say, yes, any type pairing can work together, right? So I don't think that there are certain types that are more compatible or less compatible. I think every single relationship requires a good amount of effort, a good amount of empathy, personal growth, compromise. I mean, all of those things are really important to me. Okay. I'm interrupting you to ask this question because I wrote that down. You said there's no such thing as most compatible and that any pair can make it work if they're willing to put in the effort. But did you not, I'm sure that there were more common pairings that you Mm -hmm. came across, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as long as you put in the effort, but would you say that some pairings might require more effort? Yeah, I think the, the least common pairings are same type pairings. So oh. I did some research. I got, well, actually, when, when I was researching for the book, I got about six, 700 um, participants in my research and um, basically asked them, like, what is your type? What is your significant other's type? What is, like, intimacy look like for you? What, is, what does that even mean to you? Um, how often are you intimate? All these types of things, right? So I asked all these questions and I w- the st- statistical significance was that um, same type pairings are least common. And then there are certain type pairings that are most common. So those would be one and nine, very common, two and five, two and eight. And then basically every type with nine. So like, <laughs> yeah, everyone loves so nines. Nines is just great. Everyone loves yeah, nines. Everyone loves and them. I think I also had a lot of nine nines respond to my survey. So I think that was skewed slightly, but um, the least common pairing was eight and eight and seven and seven. So those type pairings have a little bit of a harder time. So that's interesting because I would have thought that people who are super similar would get along better. Like, I feel like we are very similar in many ways. Yeah. And that's kind of why we work. Yeah, is it like, is the key to be similar but different? <laughs> yeah, you know, because I think what people run into is when they're so similar with their significant other, it's like, you're kind of annoying, actually. And they don't realize that they're actually annoyed at themselves. <laughs> right. That's an interesting observation. Well, you, it's then. a reflection of your faults. Yeah, but I would have thought... It's not that I don't see the ways in which I can be annoying, but I would have thought that if I duplicated myself or cloned myself, Mm -hmm. that I would get along with me great. Well, I guess, yeah, I think the same. Like, I guess it comes down to, do you like yourself, right? Yeah. If you really like yourself, then you should be able to have a relationship with the opposite sex Mm -hmm. with your female or male self. Yeah, and obviously cloning yourself is not the same as dating another like human yeah, being. Usually <laughs> not, yeah, 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 unless you have good cloning. That's very interesting. Okay, so four and five. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about that? Are we, yeah. we going to last six years, eight years, <laughs> ten years? I mean, you can last however long. I mean, here's the thing about Sweet. four and five. <laughs> <laughs> Endorsement. <laughs> that was the best here, here. answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> I really feel strongly that it's about like if you want to, you know, if and you want to put in the the effort. I think four and five is actually fairly common. And one of the reasons is because there are a lot of similarities, right? So um, four and five tend to both be deep thinkers, really imaginative, cerebral. Um, they actually are pretty deep feelers as well. Four is more so than fives. Fives sometimes kind of, um, it kind of depends on the five. Some fives are really deep feelers, some fives not so much. Um, but they both, you know, four and five both love like kind of like interesting things like they don't love the run of the mill stuff they, they want things to be a little bit more interesting or intriguing. We like interesting things <laughs> sorry go ahead it's true like Apparently anything we both that's like, like interesting things basic you know they're yeah. like oh no you know we want to feel kind of special or different yeah i mm-hmm. guess that's true we so do interesting. but i also feel like that's so annoying like i wonder if that's that's arrogant to think that you're mm different and off the beaten path and not basic, you know? Yeah. I guess it's all about the ego. Like, do you need to feel different? Is there, there's there some reason why you feel the need to feel different or are you just different because you're born that way? I've often wondered that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think that there is something with fours and fives. They kind of want to rebel against the way that other people see things, the ways that Mm -hmm. other people think about them. And what's and, that rooted in? That's what I want to know. What's it rooted in? Well, or am I or, the motive? It always gets back to motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Right. Do you remember your motivation? Sorry, I don't. <laughs> he doesn't remember. It's fine. I, uh, I did so bad homework. Like, <laughs> he literally all he remembered literally was five. <laughs> five. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's man. the great thing about them all being numbers, I guess. But um, for fives, it's the core motivation to be competent and self sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really like self-reliant. So for fours, I'd say they want to kind of do some something different. They want to go against the grain um, in every way possible a lot mm-hmm. of the time. It gets back um, to that feeling unique, like that yeah, in, being exactly. that individual, which I relate mm-hmm. to in like a, yeah. a squirmy way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. make me feel good deep down yeah. at all. So, so what, are, what are you? She's a three. I'm a type three. Uh-huh. <laughs> three. So is a type three most likely to get involved in types? <laughs> I mean, actually, what's so funny is type fours, I feel like love the Enneagram so much. Threes are um, motivated by the need to find their worth in how others see them and in their productivity. Huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. So were yeah, you so really, it's all about really success and like, were you, were you like, really like, I am going to publish a book. I don't care if it kills me. I'm getting this book published on Enneagrams. That is basically the energy with which I do everything. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> you are going to be very successful and very stressed out. You know, yeah. who else is a type three. I don't know how familiar with the bachelor world you are, but mm-hmm. Nick Vile is also. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I think it makes sense. More importantly, yeah, he, Albert Einstein is a type five. <laughs> Just wanted to make that known. That there you go. <laughs> well, and that's, so. that's too, like, um, so with fives, like going against the grain, I feel like it's really about knowing more than everyone else and researching things more than everyone else and just believing mm. that everyone else is just like a lemming, basically, <laughs> going along. <laughs> and you're like, but actually, here's the thing. Like, I had a, a carpool buddy for a long time who was... Uh, studying philosophy and was a five. And so we'd have these conversations because he would just be like, oh, and there's this and there's this. And he just thought about things. And even if he hadn't been studying philosophy for academia, I think he still would have studied it because he was fascinated by it. Can I tell you something, Stephanie? It's torture. It's a lifelong (laughs) torture. Yeah. It's not good to be a five. The thirst of for knowledge. I I have my wonderful four, so it it (laughs) served its purpose. I do feel like it... Here's the thing is I feel like a f- being a four is exhausting. But then I look at you and I'm like, God. That's- oh, it's, yeah, it's worse. He yeah. he knows something about everything, mm-hmm. which I feel like is probably common. Yeah, the, the, this part about the ants, when they were looking at the ants pile, that really Oh, yeah. In one me. of the write-ups we read, it was like observing an ant <laughs> pile. And I was like, sit. Andy has totally observed <laughs> many that. an ant pile. I've literally done that. 
So can I ask, are you in a relationship? Can yeah, I ask? She's if- married. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm married. Sorry. I, I'm a terrible host. I didn't <laughs> brief my husband at all. I just like threw him to the wolves. Totally. <laughs> no God. background. All, all I know is I'm a five. But what I don't Which doesn't know. sound good, by the way, unless you're talking about anagrams. <laughs> I don't know what your husband is. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's something that might make you feel a little better, Charlene. Um, so when we first uh, got into the Enneagram, he was like, I'm a one. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I read it. I was like, yeah, it checks out, you know? Mm-hmm. And then after a while he was like, actually I'm a five. And I was like, okay, yeah, makes sense. Then he was like, he listened to me teach the Enneagram one time and he was like, you know what? I'm an eight. And I said, <laughs> okay, that, that really checks out, you know? Yeah. And now he's like, Oh, actually, like actually a few months ago, I was like, actually, maybe let's look at type one again. I think you might be actually a type one. So I was like, okay, I'm a type one. Wow. Is you there know? like a shapeshifter anagram type where you're just like constantly moving? Well, that's type moving? three. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we know he's not, he's not, he's not a type three, but um, I think for okay. a lot of people, it's actually really hard to figure out that motivation piece. Like it's mm. kind of, you have to do a lot of self-discovery and a lot of people aren't that into the Enneagram, which is fine, but it just takes them longer to find their type if they're really interested. What kind of people typically are not into it? I'm curious because to me, it's like the best, it's so self-indulgent in the best way. And if you're at all reflective, then you're like, I can improve, you know, like Mm -hmm. why, who, what, what type is least into it? Is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, I think fives often... (laughs) at least into it they're interested in everything you know it's interesting because i'm not into like like astrology is like the furthest thing of anything in the world that i'm into Mm -hmm. but i actually am into this it scares me but i am into it because i believe it's rooted in in actual real study and and real fact it make it 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 makes sense to me yeah Mm mm-hmm and I think people yeah. are just pro, as I said, like programs, you're like, whether you like it or not, you can't fight it. You are who you are. And that's it. Mm-hmm. You do things according to a program. Yeah. Usually. You know what I find interesting is that you said your husband first identified with one and then five and then eight. So Andy got 98. I know the test doesn't mean that much, but 98% yeah. I cheated five, on the test. He got 96% one. And mm-hmm. I thought before he took the test that he was an eight. I yeah. just think that's interesting. Like there must be yeah. sort of similar-ish motivations. Five, yeah. And five and eight are very similar on paper because they both have this real need for self-reliance um, and autonomy. So that that can be why. Energetically, they're very different. Eights typically have a bolder, brasher energy and um, fives typically are like more cerebral. Okay. Can I ask you this? Is, do mm-hmm. you have a firm understanding of the process that makes the number? Like, do you understand what the, you know, uh, environmental um, pressures that create a five or an eight or a three? Mm-hmm. Or- yeah. So it's kind of interesting. This is like somewhat debated. There are a couple different schools of thought. One, I, I actually ascribe more to the idea that it's you're kind of born with your type. Mm. Um, and then we have these early childhood experiences that solidify it. And those become what we call childhood wounds, which it's not intentional. It's not like a, a parent intended to wound a child, but really um, things happen. And because of the way we already see the world, they confirm something in us. And that kind of solidifies it. Wow. So it's, it's, I would have guessed it's more nurture than nature, but, uh, but wow. So we're just, we're just set from the, but that's like, I I have two sisters and we're all so different, but we were nurtured by the same parents. Mm, Like a lot of this is just, you're born with it. And then, like Mm -hmm. you said, you, it kind of gets shaped. Yeah. That's very interesting. I was just going to say, we have these um, thought processes that we kind of learn and um, in Enneagram language, they're called like unconscious childhood messages, like things that we are told either literally or gathered from our environment that are actually really harmful or hurtful to hear. Um, but then there's like the opposite as well. So there are these healing messages. So for type five, the healing message is your needs are not a problem. Like you're allowed to have needs and 
in the world mm. and be comfortable in the world. He's pretending to be nonplussed right now, but I can tell. It. No, I'm plussed. I'm fully plussed. <laughs> You're fully plussed. Yeah, because my my I I don't want to malign my parents, but there anyway there was some there was some you know resistance against some of my needs. Yes, um, and I understand. I'm not faulting them. Yeah, I understand why. But wow, that. That got very deep. I, I very can't fast. say much, but I know my mom listens to this. She's going to be so upset. She was <laughs> like, wonderful. Oh my God. She's the They're best like, mother what ever. Needs, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, go ahead. Well, sure, but also, like, I think that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, my parents have to hear me talk about this stuff all the time. And I'm like, oh, my childhood wound is such and such, you know, but it's like, I fully believe that even the best, most well-intentioned parents, sometimes like we just gather things from our environment and then mm-hmm. we need these messages. Um, so for type fours, there are a couple different ones that we we talk about. But um, one of the, the really hard things for fours is... Um, they're kind of afraid of being too much or not enough. Mm. Um, which that makes sense. I don't know if that resonates with you. Um, I, I guess it, I feel like that's a really deep one to sort of wrap your mind around and apply to yourself. I definitely sure. resonate more with the feeling misunderstood, you know, constant. The reason I even have a blog <laughs> yeah. is you know, was to sort of take control of my mm-hmm. own narrative and try to be understood, you know. So, so mm-hmm. I, that's to me what really speaks to me, but feeling like too much or not enough. I can mm-hmm. see that because I'm very uh, conscious. I hate asking for favors. There are very few friends I'll confide in. Yeah. You know that I really see you as a dear, dear friend when I'll ask you for a favor or, or call you and just talk about myself for right right there was that was a question about that yeah because i have a tendency to sort of almost like a social crutch Mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions and like i'm very much Mm -hmm. there for other people but that's how you know that i value someone is when i'm willing to take i guess yeah Yeah. that's true yeah interesting yeah well so then with with that obviously makes great podcast hosts you know because you ask a lot of questions (laughs) but um for for type four, the healing message is you are seen for who you are. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. It's going to get emotional. <laughs> yeah, You're like, us. oh, <laughs> all the feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, but I found it really interesting when I first read my Enneagram and then thought about mm-hmm. Andes and just sort of how we relate. Because we do get along, like you said, like there is a lot of similarities there. But... And this was my birthday was a couple of weeks ago. And Andy's always terrified when it's time to, to get me a gift yeah. because apparently I'm next to impossible to buy for. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit I'm not the most. It's not so much. I don't like this. She's not it's, understood. It's more so. Yeah. Like, how how could do you, you not know what I want for my birthday? No, like, do you no, not no. Know it's me more at all? so. That's what it is. <laughs> Whatever she says is that's what it is. <laughs> No, instead of like, I don't like this, it's more so how could you think I would like this? Like, do you know Mm -hmm. me at all? Like I have I have a bit of a history with all my boyfriends of gauging how well they know me based on how and I'm not even like a gift person, really. But it's Mm. more so that, you know, this is your chance to prove to me how deeply. Yeah. Yeah, So do you think that's like a four or five dynamic that that you're like? I, I don't know. I think so, because I overthink your birthday resident stress about mm-hmm. it. And then you don't feel understood. And you, you, you. But when he that. nails it, it's like. Which is like once every. Yeah, but it's, it's like the cicada. I, I like cry. Like I can't. Yeah. It, I give very good reaction <laughs> when no, he nails yeah. it. You know, like it's just that sense of like, how, like, how did you, how did you nail it so hard? So mm. it's I don't like remember that ever so happening. Seen. Yeah. Feeling <laughs> <so> <laughs> but Okay. Apparently yeah. I nailed it one time. I was going to say that that's just one of the challenges too, though, with it, it being, you know, you're similar, but the five is so much more like logic and like thinking focused. And the four is so much more like feeling and heart focused that that can be a real challenge because there are times when it's like, I don't get this about you. Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the way, like when we do have conflict Although I I do think that I'm for a heart type, 
Mm -hmm. I feel so proud when I know these terms. But Andy's a head type and I'm a heart type, correct? Right. Mm -hmm. I do think that I'm pretty heady for a heart type. Yeah, Yeah. very heady heart type. (laughs) (laughs) But when when we fight, I, I think the, the biggest problem, but then we do solve it pretty good because I think we just sort of met later in life and learned how to, you know, learned about our flaws and how to resolve conflict. Yeah. But I think what happens if I'm in sort of just the mood is slightly off and then something happens, it feels like the straw that breaks the camel's back, even though it's not really. Mm-hmm. And I have mm-hmm. like, I sort of just have <clears throat> a really big reaction. Yep. And then yeah. he gets defensive. Yep. I do that well. I I get defensive very well, by the way. I'm good at that. (laughs) Strong defensive (laughs) talents. Does this all check out to you? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And it can be hard, too, because, oh, I don't know if you guys have this dynamic, but a lot of the time with fives in um, conflict, they're like, okay, let me keep this as logical as possible um, and let me isolate, figure this out, think through what I have to say, and then come back and say it. And, um, totally true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the four, the four is like, let me be as authentic as possible and get my feelings out there. Like, I just want everyone to know how I feel. I'll clear the air and then I'll feel better once I share my feelings. But then when those feelings aren't mirrored because the, the five is staying logical, then mm-hmm. it's like, well, are you not getting me? Like, are you not understanding what I'm feeling? Are you not listening to me? And that can, that's kind mm. of where things can spiral a bit. The fives are pretty annoying. Now that I think about it. <laughs> am i annoying i mean i think i am more reasonable in that situation like you just get your feelings out you might as well address it head on and then have a conversation about it sounds exhausting meanwhile you have to go and ruminate yeah i mean yeah i it's interesting because there are certain types that that have like these different conflict styles so my type for example type three also does like the, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to try to stay logical not let it touch my feelings and try to figure out this puzzle. So I totally am like, that's kind of how I go to. And then when I'm in a conflict with somebody else and they don't have that same style, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. That is annoying how I do it, you know, or <laughs> it is annoying how they do it or whatever. It's just always interesting to notice. So those that, things. that brings up, okay. Since your life is, you know, revolves around Enneagrams, do you feel like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy? Like when you're in an argument or you're finding yourself behaving in a way that, you know, might not be to your, your best look, do you Mm -hmm. actually think like, okay, according to my Enneagram, this is why I'm doing this and I do this and that. And you're like, okay, stop doing that. Stop being your Enneagram. (laughs) Do you actually like take like internal coaching from it as you're like in the moment? I mean, it would be really perfect if everything in my life was really neat and tidy like that. Um, <laughs> but like, are you I'm, a robot? <laughs> I am a robot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Uh, you know, I, I think that I, what it's really taught me is not so much to filter everything through my type necessarily um, mm-hmm. in the moment, but to be just a little bit more aware of what is going on in the back of my mind. Like when I'm in a conflict and I'm like refusing to, share my feelings and I'm just trying to find the right puzzle piece to get out of it. Um, I can kind of be like, okay, I'm actually not letting this touch my feelings right now. And that's actually not helping in this situation. So, Mm. so what, how can I bring more awareness to what I'm actually feeling? Um, that type of thing. So it's not so much about like, what is my type, but it's more so just about, just trying to bring a little bit more awareness or if I don't, you know, and it goes terribly, right. I can, think back to it later and kind of analyze it and, and understand what went wrong and figure out a different way. Cause I think that's that noticing portion is probably the hardest part, but I think it's really necessary to actually grow and move forward. I think your husband's really lucky. Super you sound like lucky. a very, very cool. Yeah. Reasonable. So and reasonable. like constantly growing spouse. Yeah. What's your worst quality? Like what's yeah. in a relationship? If I was in a, if not yes. me. Yeah. What's if, your worst quality? What, what would your husband say is your worst <laughs> yeah, quality? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He would definitely say workaholism. Oh, oh. <laughs> come on. That's, that's a cheating. Andy, Andy has a gripe with. <laughs> yeah. That's like in an interview. Like what's, Oh, I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. Everything I do is perfect. Andy thinks it's not a real I want flaw. a better fault. I want <laughs> oh, a better <laughs> fault. But she, you did ask what her husband would say. Okay. That's her loving husband that's would say. Okay. What would Stephanie say? I mean, honestly, my worst quality is that in my opinion is that I'm very like, um, 
out of sight, out of mind about everything. Mm. So like if I don't have something right in front of my eyes, then I will forget it, which is a problem in a relationship when you have a spouse who's very thoughtful and like remembers stuff and is like, hey, will you, you know, throw the or turn on the dishwasher? And I'm like, sure, no problem. Two seconds later, forgot it. (laughs) And then he's like, you told me you were going to do that and you didn't do it. And I was like, I forgot. I'm sorry. And he just like doesn't understand (laughs) Have you ever been in a long distance relationship? And if so, did that affect it? It did indeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) I mean, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly. Totally. Yeah. No, no, I I did. Actually, my husband and I, you know, we were um, long distance for about a year, year and a half. Um, But he stuck. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it was like a nice time (laughs) apart for us. (laughs) Distance makes the heart. Yeah. We've been together now 10 years. So it's like, and yeah. I mean, we really believe in a little bit of space. And so normally in non-COVID times, I am a singer. And so I do freelance work and I'll leave for a contract for anywhere from three to six weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, it's great for a marriage in my opinion. Oh, I think every... In, in every marriage, someone should be an opera singer. <laughs> there would be no, there'd be no divorce. None. Yeah. It just makes the time you have together, you know, yeah. a bit more special. And yeah, but, but that said, neither of us are threes. So we're not forgetting about each other. That's true. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's a three. I just leaped. Or if that was just such a leap. Mine. Cause that's I feel like a lot of threes are like, so on top of things. And I'm just like, you're on I'm top pro- of the thing in front of you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just have too many I have I have too many things on my plate. That's probably what it is. There was another thing you said in here with fours and fives mm-hmm. that I mean it it hit hit us big time when you said areas to work on. Both fours and fives can hesitate to take action because they feel the need to process decisions thoroughly before oh, moving God. forward. I can't mm-hmm. even pick a color like a <laughs> If you give me, if you said like, there are like five rugs and I need you to choose one, I would, I would, I would have to go to a psychologist. Like I'd have to get therapy. (laughs) We do have a hard time. We're not great at sort of pushing the other one over the ledge, you know, like making, Mm -hmm. especially like together making. Yeah. We're the most indecisive people. It's always like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? It took us like four years to decide to renovate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, we do, we're not good at decisions. Yeah. Very bad. Both yeah. of us. We Terrible. tend to look at all the reasons why it might not be the right time. We're very much like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's another way. So you know about the heart triad, the head triad, body triad. So there's another way of looking at the triads. Um, so with the Enneagram, obviously there are nine types. So there are all these different ways of breaking them down into groups of three. And four and five are both in what's called the withdrawn stance meaning that they use they lean on thinking and feeling to process through life and it's not until all the thinking and feeling run out that they get to like the the action like okay now's the time to make that decision now's the time to do the thing so mm. they can just end up doing that ruminating thing processing I've been, it I've been ruminating for like it. 40 years <laughs> that makes it, I don't I don't like that about us yeah. at all. But I do think not to pat But it's my nice own. to be with someone who has the same faults in that respect. Yes, but not sure. to pat my own back, but I do think I'm better than you. Yeah. Like if it weren't for me, we would never take vacations. We would never I don't think we would have done anything. We certainly never would have renovated. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind change. I sort of mm-hmm. feed off not feed yeah. off it, but I definitely crave it once in a while. That's why we change like our wall color yeah. once I in a while. I don't even dress myself anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's not even a joke. Like, I, we just go to shopping. I'm like, just pick stuff. So it's over. It's over. You have become more and more useless since I've totally met you. Totally useless. Yeah. Well, it's like if somebody else will make this decision for me. Great. Yeah. yeah. yeah all my problems are relieved. I just have someone here. Yeah. But after maker. reading about the fives type, I now recognize mm-hmm. that that's a sign of love for me because it means that he really trusts me and he doesn't trust mm-hmm. many people. That's right? true. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, right, have Stephanie, a, right? Yes. Vibes <laughs> have a very close circle of people that they they trust and like let inside. Yeah. yeah. Um, question, Stephanie. Do you believe yes. in free will? 
Oh, God. <laughs> I know. It's such an annoying question. Such a five-asking um, question. <laughs> Typical dick. Uh let me get my ethics book out really quick. <laughs> These different philosophers. <laughs> um, I, I think I do. I, I mean, in terms of like determinism versus like, do we actually choose anything for ourselves? Mm -hmm. What do you mm. believe? I've struggled with this. This has been a major existential struggle of mine for mo my entire adult life. That's so like five of you. It's totally five. Um, the thought of having no free will is terrifying to me. It's also uh -huh. kind of liberating in the sense that like whatever I do wrong, it's like, well, that's, that's not my fault. I mean, it wasn't meant to be. It was written. Yeah. It was written that mm -hmm. way. But at the same time, um, it creates a, an incredible meaninglessness of life and existence. Like mm -hmm. if you really aren't at all in control of the keyboard. Sure. You're just kind of being, you know, pushed by the wind. But I, I think that is a very five thing to think. Yeah. And it's a very five yeah. thing to be tortured by. <laughs> Although I do think it's a legitimate thing to be tortured by. And anyone who isn't sure. is, is not, not, not on the right page. You know, so it's interesting that you asked that because the only time I ever really think about those types of questions is when I'm forced to for grad school. <laughs> <laughs> That's a healthy way to do it. The, my way is like, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, do I have free will? <laughs> So that's not the well, you know, because she's a three. She's like, it's not productive. Like, why would I? Th of it's, course, <laughs> I'm, act I'm right. acting like I know you. I don't actually know if that's the mindset, but it does to me as a four. I'm starting to think that five is the shittiest anagram. <laughs> that's is what that everyone true? thinks about their own type. I think. Is oh, the okay. Thing. <laughs> it, but is no, there but a shit? Well, we know that nine is the best. Yeah. What's the shittiest enneagram? <laughs> So um, well, let's, why don't we go through them? Like, let's give her like a sort of yeah. simple rundown well, of the list. I want to know what the worst one is. Yeah, and she as she goes through them. She'll tell us which one's the All best right, and the worst. I think it's it. whoever you don't like that day. Oh, <laughs> oh she has clients. Remember? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so yes. So type one, they're motivated by the need to be good and to have integrity, um, and so they're probably their biggest fault is that they tend to be really overly critical um, and judgmental of themselves and of others. That's type one. So, so twos are, two, are yeah. yeah, they're motivated by this need to be loved and wanted. And probably their biggest fault is that they just forget to take care of themselves because they're so busy making sure everyone else is like helped and oh, nurtured. God. <laughs> Mm. Andy's we always joke that that's like I work too hard oh I care too much for others it's like not a real <laughs> but okay until, twos are fine I guess <laughs> until you meet someone who actually is that way and you're like oh no you need to like take a break and say no every now and again they can have no sense of self which can be a, a real struggle ah okay mm. yeah. okay I'm I'm feeling for them a bit more than yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no so Type threes are, like I said, motivated by the need to find their worth and their productivity and, and really in how others see them. And I think the three's biggest fault is that they just care way too much what other people think about them. Like they yeah. would be way happier if they just didn't care as much. Yeah. And would sleep more, I think. <laughs> when it works hard. <laughs> All right. Speaking autobiographically. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So type fours are motivated by the need to find their true heart, um, to and to really feel understood. And when I say find their true heart, what I really mean is they're looking for their identity. They're, they're on this like inner quest to find who they really are. Um, and I would say four's biggest fault is that they can kind of get caught up in mourning the way that life isn't. They, they think that there's a way that life could be and they end up mourning. Yeah. I mean, that's, that hits me really hard. My biggest mm -hmm. fear in life is regret. And so I, I tend to base all my decisions, major decisions based on that. And so yeah. just like because I want regretting. To, yeah, it's why I'm mm -hmm. an opera singer. I was like, well, I don't want to one day regret not having 
pursued this talent. So I'll become an opera singer. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's yeah. kind of an extreme decision. It's a very strong to make. FOMO. But it, yeah, it's like extreme FOMO. Mm-hmm. What well, could yeah, and some fours end up not actually doing anything about it and then just end it up in regret their entire life, you know? Ooh. So that, yeah, it's scary, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the type fives um, are motivated by the need to be competent and self-sufficient and probably their biggest fault is I think that fives think that they don't need anyone. Um, And so they think that they can calm their own anxiety by gaining more knowledge and information. And it's so true. (laughs) So true. Yeah. You're relating her. (laughs) It's scary. Yeah. It's lonely. It, it is lonely. Yeah. Why do you do that to yourself? I mean, I have you. So. <laughs> <laughs> now you have each other. So then type six, um, sixes are motivated by the need to be safe and secure and to be in community. And probably their worst fault is that they only, or they often really are focused on the worst case scenario. So they're constantly running through scenarios in their mind of um, like what, what what's going to go wrong. And... Mm. That's a real that challenge. sounds awful. That's so. That reminds me a bit of you too. Yeah, I feel like I have a little six in me. Only the bad parts. Mm-hmm. You pretty much have like all these like neurotic. Yeah, I have the bad parts of, of every number in me. <laughs> it's great, yeah. fun. Uh, so type sevens are motivated by the need to be free and to chase down opportunities. And their worst fault, I think, is probably that they don't really take time for the present. There's so they're running into the next thing. They're doing the next opportunity, and they just don't even see where they're at sometimes um, and see just what's already available to them sometimes. Gotcha. Then type eight, uh, they're motivated by the need to protect themselves um, from betrayal and control. And I think eights get a, they kind of get a bad reputation a lot because they can kind of be a little bit brash and people don't like that as much, but um I love eights. They, I, I would say their fault though, is that they tend to kind of put up too tough of an exterior um, to where the other people don't get to know them like they'd like to. Do you relate then, to that at all? I have every fault of every number. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Is there, is there something that encompasses every single fault, but none of the positives of all the... No. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Anyway, go I ahead. I thought you were an eight, but in, in, a, in a good way. I'm but. only an eight in the shitty way. <laughs> anyway, okay. sorry. So nine, nine, the, be- the best one nine. that can nine. marry anyone, apparently. Although anyone can marry anyone, but a nine has the best success. <laughs> yeah, nines are motivated by a need to be at peace internally and externally. So their biggest fault, I would say, is that they forget to think about themselves and um, they'll just kind of go along to get along with everyone else. And then they wake up and they're, you know, maybe they're 35, 45 and they're like, Oh, I've never actually asserted my own opinions. Um, If they even have that moment, I guess. Right. Sometimes they don't. I think we know a couple of those. A couple of nines. One. Yeah. Oh yes, definitely. Uh what is the, I mean, because you, you have clients and Mm -hmm. you help them, I guess, figure out their type and how to improve. Correct. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make assumptions. Mm -hmm. Um, what is the most difficult one, most difficult type to diagnose? Hmm. Probably type nine. I'd say they come to me most often just not knowing their type. Type sixes are also really tough because two sixes can be extremely different. They're just really, really different from one another. Um, In general, it's really hard when people haven't done any sort of self-observation or inner work at all. And they try to find their type. And I'm like, you need to get to know yourself better because I'm not like a genie. I can't like, go inside <laughs> your brain and figure you out. You have to, you have to like be honest with yourself. So I can totally can really picture people too. coming in being like, tell, tell me. <laughs> well, that's what I was mm-hmm. going to ask. Like, do you have actual like hour long sessions? Like, mm-hmm. is it more like a life coaching or more like, like what's, yeah. what's going on there? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's more like life coaching. So basically I have questions that I ask and I help 
guide people. It's normally when people are like, I've listened to podcasts. I've read books. I don't know what type I am. Um, they're like, these are, they, these are the weird things about me. And so I just basically observe things and um, ask some questions. They tell me stories about themselves and I kind of make observations from there and help that help guide them to mm-hmm. their type. And do you have clients that like you see like for long periods of time, like every week? Um, actually, typically I focus on, so I have a master's in organizational communication. So I focus on that side. So I wrote this book about love, but which is really just interpersonal communication, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I mostly do team trainings. So I'll coach teams on how to communicate better or um, how the Enneagram can help them with their leadership or with their stress management, things like that. Very cool. So do you you have another book coming out or is this one and done? (laughs) Not at the moment. Oh my gosh. But she's at three, uh, so it's definitely going to (laughs) happen. Oh yeah, yeah. It's going to happen. She can't stop. She can't stop. I know her time. Stop. (laughs) <laughs> so before we wrap are there any any wise words for us as we continue on our marriage yeah what what where are we gonna have problems <laughs> i mean us. i definitely think that you guys are already working on them right because th- just noticing like oh we both tend to think about things and and be a little bit what's also called past oriented so you look at the past as a reference for how things will play out in the future Mm-hmm. Um, who doesn't do that? I mean, isn't that just the way to do things? <laughs> so types four, five, and nine do that. Um, okay. The other types have a different pattern. So for example, my type, type three, very much is future oriented. So I like, don't ever even think about the past. I just think about the future. Oh, oh my I God, I want your brain. I know, that sounds fantastic. It's exhausting. They're yeah. all, we're all exhausting in our own brains, <laughs> okay. let me tell you. <laughs> That's comforting. <laughs> um, yeah. that, that was really... Oh, any other, any other tips, marriage tips? Or do you think we're, we're going to make it? <laughs> no, you guys are great. And I think, I think too, just like even talking about this, right? I think learning about yourself and talking about yourself um, and having this common language is really, really helpful. You know what it is? It's like the love languages on crack. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it yeah. goes beyond just like, I feel loved with quality time. It's like, oh, I know what your motivation is yeah. to, and mm-hmm. then what that means and how you're treating it's me and how I should yeah. feel based on how rare that is. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like a flow chart of, of that. Yeah. 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 Very it's cool. Helpful. It's really definitely cool. very much it's really so. interesting. We, I could, I could honestly yeah, talk Andy. with you about this for <laughs> an uncomfortably long time. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we analyze can't. it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Thank you. That for was great. Anyone interested? The book is the Enneagram in love and it, I highly, highly recommend learned a lot about myself and more importantly, how we interact and how to like help us move forth. Stephanie, thank you. That was just delightful. Very Thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. So how do you feel about that? That was really interesting. I don't think I've ever gotten you to reflect. Here's the thing. You're a reflective and like she said, cerebral person, but mm-hmm. I feel like you're not the type of person to be like, like to, to stew. I, I feel like that. It's well, not I really, to be to honest, when, when, when you, you brought this up and you explained it to me from a very, you know, 30,000 feet level. I thought that I wouldn't be, uh, you know, I wouldn't be into this. I'd be like, Oh, whatever. That's hokey stuff. Uh-huh. But I feel like this is really based in like a lot well, of psychological psychology. Study. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it makes goes- sense. It actually disturbs me how much it makes sense. I would have liked it to not make sense. I would have liked my type to be something where I'm like, Oh, that's nope, 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 <laughs> nope. Wrong. Okay. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Like Scorpio. Oh, yeah, Scorpio. Oh, Scorpio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, that was really interesting. She's great. I mean, she's, she's going to She knew her be, stuff. Can you imagine I, how how many things she knows? <laughs> like, she knows everyone's type, everyone's motivation, everyone's faults, and how they can improve, and and then how they all, like, interact with each other. That's I almost, I kind of wanted, but there were so many questions I had. I, I kept throwing, like, I have, like, a hundred questions for her that weren't asked. And I kept kind of trying to squeeze them in. But I really wonder if she, like, in the moment when she's meeting new people yeah. or 
not, well, not, I guess she's met her partner, but in the past, like when she's meeting, well, I guess she's I mean, been with it for 10 years. So actually she's never, met, but I'm saying when she's meeting people no, in general, I totally wonder is that. she like, does she have like this separate little, like, yeah, it's like, zzz, like, it's like totally filing yeah. away things. Yeah. It's like just, Seinfeld used to say that when he's like in life, there's always like a separate little Seinfeld looking at the joke and whatever's happening. It's like, he's present and yeah. then there's like the joke watcher looking for like where's the premise here where's the joke oh. but i feel like i wonder if she's when she's in a social situation it's like she can't resist how could she but it, is i that, feel like it, for sure that's gonna happen it's, it seems, but i also maybe though that is a four slash five thing to think about uh-huh like maybe a three is like what isn't a five thing to think about like, <laughs> yeah, to analyze you, everything it's torture <laughs> you do seem to be very uh but you love me for that right i mean I love you because you're like, it really does work because you are such a thinker, but you're also far less emotional than me. So you balance out that side Mm. of me. But, and I did read this and it's cute because it's so true. Like I make you stop and smell the roses a bit more. That's true. Like you get very like kind of riled up. You really do. Which I did not even think was something I was like, like, I don't consider myself a, oh, like living in the moment, appreciating the small things person. But next to you, I'm like big time like that. (laughs) (laughs) So I just basically make you feel better about yourself that you're not as neurotic as me. (laughs) (laughs) No, you make me feel seen. I do feel seen by you. I I see you. Yeah. But then I have to admit when we watched back our, our vows, I felt like watching back our vows. I remember your vows being very, very beautiful, and I, they are very, very beautiful. But I remember thinking, I feel like my vows saw you more than your vows saw me. <laughs> I know it's true, but my vows, my vows were focused like more on humor. Yeah, your vows were so beautiful, and they were conscious of the fact that we had like guests. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to be too serious. Yeah, you clearly noticed things, but ultimately went for the overall package in that. And I was like, who cares who hears this? Like mine was so like, this is what I see in you. Is that a four? Well, because I'm so obsessed with being understood. It stands to reason that I would be, I, I think I do it all the time. Don't you think I'm constantly showing you the little ways in which I see you? That's true. Charlene, I'm talking to you, I guess. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Charlene, you always um, point out that you are seeing me. Oh, in like a self-congratulatory Like manner? almost like in a way where you're like, you don't see me as well. Like you're like, you see how I see this thing of you? It's like in a guilt trippy way. That sounds awesome. Oh yeah. There's been many times where she's like been like, I see you so much better than you see me. <laughs> well, to be fair, I've been like that with every boyfriend and I feel the most seen by you out of all of them. Yes. Like I feel about as seen as I think I'm going to get. And then... By the time I'm fully, fully, fully seen, I feel like all the other things about that person I'm going to not like. Right. Does that make any sense? That's, that makes total sense. Yeah. I God, sounds, I sound terrible. Like, so neurotic. I know. And so, self-absorbed. So self-absorbed. Like, it's like, I think I'm so fucking special. Like, don't you understand how unique and special I am? God, we're all so flawed and awful. <laughs> That's what this has taught me. <laughs> Everyone sucks. There's nine ways to suck, and <laughs> you're one of them. The <laughs> Except motiv- for a nine. A nine doesn't yeah, nines suck. are great. Yeah. It is the motivation thing. It really puts it in like, you know, you can be like, oh, it's all these traits, and you can sort of think what you will of it. But then mm. when it comes down to this core motivation, it's like it lands with a real thud. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. We're all just little animals. Yeah. Your basic desire to be capable and competent. Ugh, like it's so annoying. Everyone's <laughs> so annoying. God. Is that the conclusion of this dear Shandy? I can episode? think of nine reasons why everyone's so annoying. <laughs> that yeah. was really interesting. She was, was great. She was great. That yeah. was like as I said, I could have gone that could have gone on for six hours. And I've gotta say, based on my you know, people are curious about my Enneagram based on my writing, which is predominantly bachelor recaps. Mm-hmm. And based on that I can see why they would want to know my you feel like you know a lot about a person based on how they write and how they think. Yeah. And I want to know the numbers of all my friends now. <laughs> totally. I think everyone should read this book. I'm not even plugging it. I literally think everyone should read this well, book in, so for that sure they can in a judge everyone and figure out what they are. And Yeah. An well, you just sort comment. of are able to put yourself in the other person's shoes and not just in a circumstantial way. Like, oh, based 
on this scenario, I'm going to think, I'm going to, you know, put myself in your shoes. It's more so, this is your overriding reason. It's like a roadmap. Reason. It's like a roadmap. It's like an instruction manual for humans. A roadmap. Good job, Andy. <laughs> Did it. Nailed it. On that note. I think we're good. I think we can wrap this episode of Douche Andy. Yeah, go back to our four or five life of neuroses <laughs> and, and feeling of and lack of self-worth. And cerebralness. And cerebralness. Is that a word? Mm, sure. This could be. Cerebrality. If cerebrality is a word, that's just annoying. Like English Cerebrality. An- no. I still don't know English. It's amazing. Yeah. It has to be cerebralness. I refuse to accept anything else. We will get to the bottom of this we probably will. after this podcast. After this podcast, when you all tune in and you're like, it's... Cer- cer- no, no, no. I can't even say it. <laughs> the cerebral- only comments will be like cerebralness, cerebrality, <laughs> cerebralness. L- learn how to speak English. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in yep. to this episode of Dear Shandy. Hopefully you learned something about yourself hope so or you feel inspired to if you guys liked what you heard today you know what i'm gonna ask of you if you could like subscribe leave an itunes review hit the notification bell do all the things that you would do uh to support a baby podcast and on that note i think we're done see you guys next time bye Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 